From the great state of Ohio, Buckeye Firearms Association presents Keep and Bear Radio, fighting for Second Amendment rights, calling out media lies, and telling the gun grabbers to come and take it. Now, Keep and Bear Radio. After the Uvalde school massacre, Democrats have introduced an innovative idea to stop mass school shootings. More gun control laws. But is everybody forgetting that gun ownership is a constitutional right? Are gun control advocates playing games with mass shooting numbers? And can Matthew McConaughey finally solve gun violence for good? Well, all right, all right, all right. That's what we're going to talk about on this episode of Keep and Bear Radio. I'm Dean Reek, Executive Director of Buckeye Firearms Association, and I'm joined by Lee Williams, Chief Editor of the Second Amendment Foundation's Investigative Journalism Project. Hi, Lee. Welcome to the podcast. Great to be back, Dean. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, Lee, I understand that you recently left the Sunshine State to visit family here in what I'll have to call the not-so-sunshine state. How was your visit? It was great. The weather was perfect. Uh, got to play the pool. Uh, finally got some Buckeyes, uh, a candy, which I think is one of the most addictive things I've ever tried. And uh, just glad to get out of there before Monday, you know, because because all hell is going to break loose. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you're back home. June, yeah, June, you're back home and you're safe in your bunker. And, you know, I'm, I'm certainly all hunkered down. June 13, day one, permitless carry in Ohio. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, based on what a lot of people are saying, honestly, Lee, I thought, you know, it was going to be fire and brimstone coming down from the skies, rivers and seas boiling, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. But exactly. um, I, I got to tell you, you know, I'm, I'm looking out my window. The sky's blue. The trees are green. I'm not seeing piles of dead bodies on the sidewalk. You know, it seems like a normal day. What happened? Are the streets running red with blood? I, I'm, not, I'm not seeing that. The, the streets just <laughs> seem normal. I'm wondering if there's any possibility that maybe some people were exaggerating or lying. Is that possible? Well, I think I've heard this now in... Uh, Every state that has gone to constitutional carry and uh, every time campus carry is brought up, or I know we suffered that in Florida in 1987 when we went to, oh my God, concealed carry. We've heard the same thing, the same tired arguments from the gun ban industry. Streets will run red with blood. Murders will just be uh, a common thing. You know, you're going to have to shoot your way into Walmart and shoot your way back out to get to your car. And none of it has ever happened. It's yeah. just, it's a rhetoric. It's nothing but a bunch of crap. Kudos again to you and Buckeye for all the hard work you guys did getting that passed. Uh, we're hoping to pass it here in Florida next session. And and trust me, brother, I know the amount of hard work it takes to get that thing through. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we've gone through this for about 20 years. When we were passing the very original first law, you know, for licensed carry with all kinds of training yeah. and all kinds of you know, poison pills that were put into that legislation, people were predicting the same thing. There were going to be 
gunfights over parking spaces. Road rage was just going to ramp up. Uh, you know, it was just going to be the OK Corral, blood in the streets, the, the whole thing. And we hear that with every bill that we try to move. And, right. you know, that nobody seems to learn that when these laws pass, the sun rises, everything's fine. You know, right. it, we, we do not have all the violence. And, you know, we can back that up with studies. It's, it's not. And at this point, what are there, 26, 27 states that now have constitutional carry? And, you know, we, yeah. do, we do not see them sinking into the sea, right? They're, they're, they're not, it's, it's not the end times. The four horsemen are not riding. Uh, right. You know, the, these, these laws do not increase violence. You know, I, it's, it's my belief that, you know, human behavior is pretty persistent. If you're responsible, you're going to continue to be responsible. The, the, the people don't change when that law changes. I predict, I predict you're going to see a massive decrease in violence because now the bad guys are going to know that it's a lot easier for the law-abiding citizens to carry a firearm. So they're going to think twice before they try and victimize somebody. I predict right now, write it down, your crime rates are going to go down. Well, I, I certainly hope so. We'll, we'll see what happens. You know, that's a nice segue into... The next thing I want to talk about, because, you know, the uh, the Biden administration, I mean, s- talking about exaggerating and lying, let's talk about uh, Biden. So, uh, yes. you know, they're, they're pushing a lot of gun control now. And the U.S. House just passed, uh, you know, I'm, it's being reported as like a bill that passed, but I think it's actually a series of bills that were voted on, supposedly in response to shootings in Buffalo, New York, and, you know, Valley, Texas, which has gotten a lot of press. And these bills, you know, it's all all the same kind of stuff, you know, raise the, the age limit for buying semi-automatics, prohibit the sale of magazines with a capacity of more than 15 rounds, which I thought actually for them was pretty generous, given what we've seen in the past. They want to create a buyback program for the for these magazines, stricter requirements for storage of guns in homes, bump stocks, so-called ghost guns that you've written on. I mean, all really innovative stuff, right, Lee? Let me just say this to all that crap. No. Okay, I wrote a column about this. No. Um, you know, the the lead of the column was one of the better ones I wrote. You know, I'm, I'm surprised at the number of conservatives who are willing to sit down with the gun banners now and, and, be, and give up a slice of bread because... They know every time we sit down with them, they're going to get a slice of bread. Eventually, they're going to get the whole damn loaf. My guns in my safe and your guns in your safe did not hurt anybody. You and I are not responsible for Uvalde or Buffalo. None of the organizations are not NRA, SAF, GOA, not Buckeye, not Florida Carry, of which I'm a board member. We didn't do anything. So let's stop feeling guilty about it. And it's time for our representatives, quite frankly, in Washington to grow a big set of nuts and just say no. Okay, all they can come up with is are ways to disarm the law-abiding citizens. And I'm frankly quite sick of it. Okay, the they and the media, I saw it here in Florida during Parkland, exert tremendous amount of pressure on these politicians. And they institute this sense, this national sense of guilt among gun owners. And that's bullshit. We have to stop feeling guilty for something we didn't do. You can't blame the gun. You can't blame the gun maker. You got to blame the madman. In this case, I'm I'm very glad that he's rotting in hell as we speak. But no, I'm uh, you know, I'm, 
and our representatives are, are just as guilty as yours for even sitting down with these guys. Walk away from the table. If these guys aren't going to walk away, if they're going to have conversations with the gun banners, then we got to get them primaried and get them out of there because these are not negotiations. The other side is not giving up anything. It's always us, another slice of bread, another slice of bread. And like I said, eventually the gun banners get the whole damn loaf. There's no onus on us to give up anything. These are constitutional rights and we got to start acting like that. And if our politicians in DC that allegedly represent us can't figure that out, let's replace them. I mean, do you remember, do, do, do you, do you remember that incident when the guy in the truck, you know, ran down all these people on the sidewalk, right? Yeah, and it, and it, well, it wasn't an accident. It was on purpose. Now, I don't recall anybody saying, you know, let's ban cars or let's restrict cars further or, you know, passing any laws or whatever. The focus was on the guy who did the crime. But, you know, right. every time that one of these things happen, and, you know, it's unfortunate. Look, and I, you know, I have empathy for these families. They, they lost kids down yeah. in Texas. I mean, this is horrible. But immediately the focus is on the guns and on all the, the strategies that the gun banners always want anyway. This is a tactic. It's a marketing tactic. It's all for show. And it's working. Well, it, 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 because strong emotion affects everybody. And you're right. I think there is this sense of guilt. And even Republicans, some Republicans, you know, get caught up in that. And they want to prove that they're good people. So, yeah, let's sit down and, and let's have a chat. So, and, and that begs the question, Lee, all this stuff that they're talking about, do you think that any of it has any chance of actually passing? Yeah, and, I'm talking about, and I'm talking about the Senate here because, you know, it passed through right. the House. Can it get through the Senate? No, it's not going to get through the Senate. Thank God they're not going to reach 60 people. They're not going to get 10 Republicans to sign on board. I'll say this, two things. One, the focus on Uvalde should not be on the gun or the gun maker. It should be on the police response. That's what killed the majority of those kids. Okay, H having served in law enforcement, having done tactical duty, let me tell you nowadays, it's very simple when you have a school shooter. You don't have to wait. You don't have to stack up. You don't have to wait for SWAT. You just run to the gun. It's a pretty simple concept. And two, if you want to talk about a tactic that really works, the one good thing we had in the Parkland bill here in Florida that passed, uh, and the whole bill's an abortion of a bill. It's just terrible. Uh, it's still violating the rights of 18, 19, and 20-year-olds. It's still violating our rights because of the red flag provisions and robbing us of due process. But the one good thing in that bill was the school guardian program. Now, school guardians are not cops. They're not cops in schools. They're not SROs. They're not DARE officers who have a tendency to be misused by the, the local school administrations. Stuff that you and I, misbehavior that you and I, guys our age, would have got into, like fights or pushing matches or yelling, is now now charged criminally. These kids are getting permanent records. So not a huge fan of having cops in, in schools, especially because a lazy school administration will use them to do their disciplinary work. These guardians have no police powers. Now, the good part is most of them are veterans. They're heavily armed. They got... Uh, Rifles, rifle, uh, body armor that can stop a rifle round. They've got ARs. They've got Glocks. They're very well trained. I've shot with some of them um, at the range. They're not bad. Um, their sole function is to shoot bad guys in the face. Okay. They're out there in the morning when the kids are being dropped off. They're out there in the evening when the kids are being picked up. They, they patrol the school. They don't have to teach anything. They're not going to be occupied. They don't have one-on-ones with kids. Their sole function is to find a bad guy and shoot him in the face. The guy I know, 
three tours in Afghanistan has pulled a trigger before. You know he's going to do it again. That, I think, would work a hell of a lot better than any of the crap they're trying to come up with in D.C. Yeah, it, it's it's all for show. It's about the upcoming yeah. elections. And I, I'm not sure that any of it has a chance of passing. You know, a lot of polling indicates that, you know, universal background checks does have some fairly wide support and a red flag. Uh, there are people who support that. But, you know, we're just going to have to see whether senators really have a backbone because you're right. You want to pass something to make people feel that, that you're a good person, but that never works because they're always no. going to come back for more and they're not going to think you're a good person. They're, you know, you're going to you're going to have the same people supporting you before as you did, uh, as you do after. Your supporters aren't going to change. And I wish Republicans would learn that you're not going to pick up Democrat votes when you go no. for some of these bills. It's just not going to happen. And you'll never appease them. Okay, let's say we give up semi-autos. We give up so-called assault weapons. We we, we get 100-day uh, waiting periods, and you got to be 50 to buy a gun. They're still going to come back. They're still going to want more. They're, they will never be appeased. And, you know, as far as this universal background check crap, that only works. That That's meant to support gun confiscation. Because if you have to make a record every time you transfer a firearm— that's that supports gun confiscation, which is their ultimate goal. And, and that's a hell of a big slice of bread. So let's not help them disarm us. Well, Jim Jordan, uh, who's a U.S. congressman from Ohio, probably summed it up best. I was reading a news article and I just want to read this quote. He said, quote, here they come going after law abiding citizens, Second Amendment liberties. The speaker started by saying this bill is about protecting our kids, but this bill doesn't do it. This All this bill does is take away Second Amendment rights, God-given rights protected by our Constitution from law-abiding American citizens. That's what this legislation does, and that's why we should oppose it. Well, that's it in a nutshell. This It's just the same laws that they always want to pass. It doesn't matter what the laws are. Lee, you know, there's a famous story that I like to tell. There was a shooting, uh, you know, a guy committed one of these mass murders and he used a shotgun. And I remember the very next day, legislators were coming out and wanting AR bans. It didn't matter. <laughs> it didn't matter what the gun was. Right. Because right. They, they, they were just like preloaded for, you know, here are the laws we want to pass. We don't care. I've even heard people saying, you know, let's pass this or let's pass that. Maybe it wouldn't have prevented this shooting. But, you know, we, we should pass it anyway. Well, if it's not going to prevent, you know, a shooting like this, then why pass it at all? Well, you know, this is this is just one of these culture war things. It's just, yeah. just some people don't like guns. They don't want people having guns. And that's what it's really about. Let's reduce the number of guns, reduce the number of gun owners, prevent access to guns. And the further along that path they can go, the better, in their view, they would like us to be like Europe where it's very, very difficult for private gun ownership, and it's getting worse all the time. Yes. Yeah, I have relatives in Germany. I know it is difficult to own an air rifle over there. Well, I mean, look what they did in Canada. They're, they're, yeah. they're now trying to ban handguns, of all things. They're not calling it a ban. They're just, you're just not going to be able to sell or buy one. So that yeah. <laughs> they're saying that's not a ban. Right, that doesn't infringe your rights. We're just going to prevent the buying and selling of, of uh, handguns from now on. So, I mean, sure. that that's what's in our future if if we don't really guard our rights. Now, 
you know, we, we were talking about this, uh, uh, you know, these kind of issues. The, the thing that people, I think, really forget, and you wrote an entire article about this, is that constitutional rights supersede the need to do something, because that's what people are saying. You've got to do something. Oh, yeah. But we're not talking about an ordinary thing here. We're talking about an enumerated right in the U.S. Constitution. It's not one of these, you know, interpreted rights. It's right there. It's spelled out that you have the right to keep and bear arms. So uh, this is the, the part of the conversation that always gets lost. You never hear people talking about this. If we can't exercise our rights in a time of crisis, we really don't have rights. The, you know, rights are not just for the good times. They're, they're, they're about the bad times. So why don't, you, why don't you talk a little bit about that? Because, again, you wrote an entire article about this idea. Well, you know, it started, the, the genesis of the story was Joe saying, oh, we got to do something. We got to do something. And, you know, I was, I, I spent Memorial Day weekend, you know, like most Americans with my family commemorating those who gave their lives in defense of this country. And they had already jumped into gear and they being the politicians and the gun ban industry together with the, the legacy media, they were conspiring how to strip these away. And they don't seem to get uh, the fact that they're blood dancing. They are desecrating the memory of these 19 children and these two two heroic teachers that were killed. And I'm sorry, both my parents were uh, public school teachers. Uh, they, they, they're they very good about deflecting the blame. The blame is on the gun. It, it's If we didn't have that gun, there wouldn't have been any problems, um, which is just a bunch of crap. I mean, the blood dancing started at the White House and it went all the way down to the local level. And again, they're shifting the blame away from where it should have been. The terrible police response that they had there and, and the fact that, you know, there were some issues with security with the door. But Joe will go off and off again on, on the need to, to put the blame on the gun and, and this do something pressure. Uh, I've seen it here in Florida. I mean, that's how we got the Parkland bill, that damn Parkland bill signed. So if you're not conscious of it, if you're not policing your lawmakers and supporting them to stay away from these discussions and to, to not strip us of our God-given self-defense rights, it's going to happen again. But bottom line, like you said, their feelings and their need to do something do not trump my constitutional rights. And that's where we need to keep that discussion focused rather than on blaming the gun or, the, or anything like that. Blame the gunman. Yeah, you know, a lot of my background is in business. So I've worked with a lot of Fortune 500 companies when I was doing marketing. And, you know, one of the rules is you don't make important decisions when you have strong emotions. You you make bad right. decisions at that time because you're you're compromised. Emotions compromise your reasoning abilities. So, you know, th they want these decisions to be made at times of high emotion, which is exactly the wrong time to be talking about changing the law or infringing on people's rights, because that's not when you're rational. Yeah. And, and, and that is a conscious tactic. This is not by accident. Um, you know, I've, I've read all kinds of books and I've studied psychology. I know how decision-making happens and I can see this. It's, it's transparent. They, they will use these incidents when people are worked up emotionally, when they're afraid, and when they're angry. And that is the moment. Anger is one of the most powerful emotions that, that we have as human beings. And that's often when you can motivate people 
to do things, to do what you want to do. It's a persuasive technique. But but this is not a time for rational decision-making. And they know they've got a window. They know they've got a window, and it's getting close to close, and that's why Pelosi had a vote on this bill. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and they broke it up into separate bills. You know, they they wanted to get Republicans on the record. So that shows that it really wasn't about safety. That This was about the upcoming elections. They want to be able to go out and fundraise and say, here's what we supported and here's what the Republicans voted against. It, it's it's, also po- say it's that, politics. You know, it, it is a great way to get to keep the public and the media from focusing on on the real issues like 8.6% inflation as, as of last week. And, and it's going to grow even higher. Economy that is in shambles. The fact we're super close to a nuclear war with Russia that could happen. Uh, let's focus on guns. Great plan, Joe. Great plan. Yeah. Well, uh, let me just transition to something else here because, you know, we're, we're talking about these uh, mass shootings. And that, that's an interesting phrase, mass shootings. Now, years ago, mass shootings generally were defined as, you know, a shooting where four or more people died. And that is no longer the case. You know, the, the, there's been a lot of playing with this definition. There was a really interesting article in Reason Magazine. You can see this online at reason.com. And the headline was, there have been 13 mass school shootings since 1966, not 27 this year. And what right. the what the what the uh, reporter was talking about was an NPR article whose headline was 27 school shootings have taken place so far this year. Well, that gives you the impression that there have been like 27 Uvaldes this year. And that's just not true as if there's a, you know, one of these shootings every week. But right. there are these different terms, school shooting, mass shooting, mass school shooting. There, there was a, some criminologists from Scientific American, and they looked, they, they used the strict definition of a shooting with at least four deaths. And according to their criteria and the research that they did, there have been only 13 mass school shootings since 1966. Now, that's, that's a 56-year time span, 13 Uvaldes in 56 years. Now, that's, again, Lee, that's tragic, but that's not 27, you know, in the, in the first six months of this year. So there's a lot of playing around with these numbers going on when uh, reporters are presenting this information in the media. Um, we did a series of stories uh, about 11 months ago on the gun violence archive. I would I would ask your, your viewers to take a look at that. It's all on my site. They really were the first to, to mess around with the definition. I'll never forget, they said in 219, or 2019, there were more than 400 mass shootings in the country. Okay, 400 in 2019. The FBI said there were 30. So I'll let you, figure out who's got a better definition. Now, the thing about the gun violence archive and their definition, they don't, they don't exclude it if it's gang violence, which the FBI does. They don't exclude it if it's domestic violence, which the FBI does. They don't exclude it if it's not random, like the FBI does. So anytime four more people are shot, not killed, wounded, they're calling it a mass shooting. And who do you think the reporters at CNN and MSLSD are going to turn to 
when they're looking for a headline. Nothing is sexy. You know, 400 shootings last year is a lot sexier than 30 from the FBI. So I called up this schmo in charge of the gun violence archive and I interviewed him. And it's a bunch of dudes sitting around a room. Um, some have some statistical expertise. They're incredibly anti-gun, every single freaking one of them. Um, they use uh, media accounts. They use media stories. They use police Twitter and social media to track these number of, of school shootings. Well, let me tell you, the only thing less accurate than the media, having been in the media for 20 years, would be the media's social media. Because you, they never get it right for at least two or three days till all the facts are known. They'll throw out there, you know, 50 people wounded, 5 million killed. It couldn't be any farther from the truth. But that's what they're getting credibility now. Hell, Fox was using them the other day. You know, I remember when Fox used to be a little more conservative than CNN and MSLSD, but they, they're using uh, Gun Violence Archive now because they get a sensational number. It's all about sensation and over-dramatizing crap than it is about the facts and the truth. No, there, and I totally agree with your reason uh, story. I love reason, by the way. It's very reasonable. Uh, unlike the rest of the legacy media. So yeah, it's all about the definition. You can't, if you're talking mass shootings, be it in a shopping mall or a school or where have you, it can't be gang related, it can't be domestic violence related. It has to be random because that's what people picture in their head when they when they hear the term mass shooting. And this reminds me of uh, part of the conversation we had last time you were on the podcast when we were talking about how journalists are different now than they used to be, and I use the term journalist in in air quotes. You were saying that you know um, reporters used to be more of a you know blue collar kind of crowd. Yeah. You know, it was just a, a straightforward job. You get out there, you know, you hit the pavement, you collect your facts, you know how to differentiate between good sources and bad sources. While you have a lot of people growing up now on the internet, and basically, you know, if it's if it's on the internet, it's it's trustworthy. So I think that a lot of them are looking at, well, Twitter, that's good information, or any random sure. story that's on the internet, that's good information. They don't know how to do research. No. You know, if it's if it's on if it's on Wikipedia, that that is a trustworthy source. Well, no, it's not, because it's not vetted in any way. It's even worse than that. Uh, I mean, nowadays at some media organizations, a reporter's raise and promotions are dependent upon the, the number of hits he gets, the number of clicks he gets on his stories, the, the number of digital subscriptions that his stories generate. So that right there is a recipe for failure, recipe for disaster. Of course, they're going to choose the 400 mass shootings number over the FBI's more legitimate 30 because it, it gets more clicks. It's it's all about clickbait nowadays. Write, a, write the worst headline that doesn't have anything to do with the story. And, and if people click on it, so what? You know, even though it's inaccurate. Now it's, it's, it's lost, the, the industry has lost it. I started in journalism before, you know, the internet was that useful. Uh, I mean, we, we used our boots and got out there and found stories and burned a lot of shoe leather. Um, now, I, I mean, look at your major cable networks. They're reporting off of Twitter. Some guy will throw out, or some gal will throw out an important tweet. Next thing you know, you've got the, the major news networks writing a story about a tweet or about what somebody says on the view. Uh, yeah, it's not journalism anymore, man. It's, it's, it's entertainment. 
Uh, That's actually one of my personal pet peeves. I've seen entire stories with nothing but, here's something that somebody said on Twitter, and boy, look at what the responses were, and they'll give four or five responses. End of story. That's that is not news. That that's that's just creating content. It's all about content creation, not about reporting. Here's what happened today, which is my definition of just straight up news. And I and I gotta say, about a year ago, I deleted most of the news apps from my phone, and there were a lot of news uh, outlets that I just stopped. And this was on the left and the right. Because I just felt, you know what? I'm not getting news. I'm getting yeah. content that that has a corporate agenda, and the agenda right. is making money. So, uh, you know, I can't trust any of this, whether it's on the left or right, in the middle or anywhere, you know. And, it, and it's much harder today, uh, even though I'm sure good journalists are out there. It's much harder to find news reporting where they're trying to make an effort to keep their bias out, to use the old-fashioned, you know, uh, journalism techniques that I learned in my journalism class. You know, my journalism class was rough. We, you know, that we would be assigned a story. If you got one piece of punctuation wrong, you dropped a letter grade. If you misspelled yeah. a word, you dropped a letter grade. If you didn't have at least two independent, verifiable sources, drop a letter grade. Try to get an A in that class was rough. You had to do your work. And I'm not sure what are they teaching in journalism school now. I mean, are are they that are they that strict? It's social media. Okay, that's what that's what they're teaching. How to blend? How to how to how to create? Rather than a good story, it's how to create a package. You know, you have your video, you have your your still images. They're, they're, half of these kids can't write their way out of a paper bag. It's terrible, man. And and I blame the schools and and but more importantly, I blame the organizations that put more emphasis on the number of clicks they get. And and this is doubly worse when you when you're talking firearms. I mean, I, I would say probably half the journalists I work with could not articulate the difference between a shotgun and a rifle. Okay, much less an AR or an AK or gas impingement versus gas piston. They didn't know the difference between a shotgun and a rifle or a revolver and a semi-automatic. Uh, but they're ex- they're instant subject matter experts if they have to write an anti-gun story. Yeah, well, you know, and a lot of journalists, it's about celebrity. If I ran a news organization, and I've talked because I know some people who who work in news. And I've told them, you know, if I ran a news organization, I would not allow any of my employees to have public Twitter accounts because, because it, you know, I just, I think it's inappropriate for journalists or people who are trying to be credible news sources from being out there and issuing their opinions on, you know, elections and bills and all this. You're supposed to be reporting the news, not taking a stance on it, unless you're a part of the editorial team, which is different in the old days. You had editorial and news and sales, all as three entirely separate departments, like, you know, physically in different parts of the building. That just yeah. isn't true now. It's it's all mushed no. together. No. And I, I remember the old days fondly. I mean, I had one reporter who would occasionally try and uh, uh, add his opinion to a story, and I'd, I'd thrash him mercilessly. There should be news and opinion. Uh, you know, on my website, uh, Armed American News, uh, Mark, my my partner Mark and I, uh, we we differentiate between news and opinion. You know, and, and you know what, guys in the gun world, they don't need you to tell them what 
what their opinion should be. Everybody in the gun world is the smartest. They're the smartest bunch of readers I've ever written for. They can make up their own mind, brother. They, they, they're sharp. They're switched on. They get it. I don't need to tell them my opinion. Okay, they can make up their own mind. Just get the facts out there. Yeah, and again, going back to my fantasy of running a, a, a news department, not only would I not allow them to, to uh, have Twitter accounts, I would just ask them up front, you know, in the interview, are you wanting to be a journalist or are you wanting to be a celebrity? <laughs> and just to fuck up, because I think that a lot of them, especially the really ambitious ones, want to be a celebrity because social media teaches everybody that, that you're the star of your own yeah. reality show. And uh, I hate to break it to you, but that that's just not true. You know, uh, I, 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 I'm really old-fashioned when it comes to, to news reporting. Well, Lee, you know, we're talking about celebrity, and so we have to talk about everybody's favorite, Matthew McConaughey. Uh, Matthew McConaughey goes to D.C. So, uh, all right, all right, all right. Uh, here comes a celebrity to the rescue, Lee, because who can solve our problems better than someone who makes a living creating fantasies and pretending to be exactly. people he's not. I mean, as a journalist, former journalist, the the worst thing I've ever seen is bringing in a celebrity to the to the White House briefing room. Uh, it's almost a holy place. It's where the public has been told that we've gone to war or they've been told of the cessation of wars. It's important. Look at the people that have been behind that podium. And uh, I'm, you know, uh, I'm not including the red devil, Jen Psaki in any of that or her, her idiot replacement. Um, I mean, that's a very important room. A lot of people have gone in there. Major stories have been broken in there. The fact that they brought in a celebrity, uh, I think shows how desperate they've become. Um, Corinne Jean-Pierre, the current press secretary, she can't answer a question without referring to a briefing book. And we all know Joe Biden can't articulate a simple sentence unless he's reading it from a teleprompter. And odds are 50-50 is going to screw that up too. So uh, from their perspective, bringing in a trained actor, an Academy Award winning actor, was a great idea. He can deliver a message a hell of a lot better than Joe or Corinne can. But if you look at what he said, I mean, he's, all he did was, yeah, there's a lot of emotion there. I'll give him that. He had just left Uvalde. It's his hometown. I'd like to think that he was sincere about all that. That was riveting. But then, of course, he just pulls a page right out of Joe Biden's uh, gun ban playbook and reads down the list. Um, I think it was a good call by the White House because they're incapable of delivering a message right now. The American people rightfully don't trust them. All they can do is spin. I mean, Biden's blaming inflation on Putin. Okay. Um, everybody knows he lies when he opens his mouth. I mean, you've got story after story after story. He, you know, rescued Nelson Mandela from prison. He used to play with chopstick or corn pop or whatever the hell he was. He was <laughs> falling the, the hair on his legs. I mean, Joe lies. Everybody knows that. So bring in some guy who has some modicum of respect. He's an Academy Award winner. I think from their perspective, it was grand. I think uh, it was one of the dumbest ideas I've ever seen from a truth-telling point of view. You know, nobody at the White House is believable. Nobody can. Nobody has any credibility, including our president. So they got to bring in an actor. I mean, I would have brought in Clint Eastwood. Okay, huge Clint Eastwood fan. He's 92, but he's doing great. Bring him in. At least he's got a little gravitas, a lot more than Matthew. Well, I mean, you know, he he gets there, and it is right out of the playbook. You know, he he, and you know, again, tragic, 
But he's horrible. using he's using emotion. You know, he was holding up the shoes of a girl who was killed, yeah. showing artwork from some of the children. Everything's very dramatic and emotional. He's an actor, so what do you expect? But none of that is a cogent argument for gun control. And of course, no. what does he do? He calls for gun control, universal background checks, raising the minimum age for purchasing an AR, waiting periods, red, red flag laws, all the usual stuff. Lee, I'm sorry, but that is just not all right, all right, all right. No, no, it's all wrong. It's all wrong. I mean, it just shows how desperate they've become. They can't even get their own message out anymore. They got to bring in an Academy Award winner. Uh, it's it's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. And and I was just flummoxed when I saw him doing it from the, the briefing room, from behind the podium. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty surprising. Now, just a little piece of trivia here, by the way. Uh, that phrase, all right, all right, all right. I mean, he's been doing that for about 25 years or so. McConaughey actually made that famous. I think it was in his first movie. He's, he starred in a 1993 film, and the, the name of the film was Dazed and Confused. I think that's really, really appropriate in this case. Yeah. Now, I look, I love the guy. He does good work. But I think that he and a lot of other people are dazed and confused. Couldn't agree more, Dean. Well, Lee, thanks for your insights and knowledge. It's always great to have you on. Please tell our listeners where you can, uh, where they can read your investigative journalism. I have a couple of personal websites, armedamericanews.com or .org, and then thegunwriter.substack.com. Your work is great. I highly recommend everyone go check that out. And Lee, again, thanks. Hope to have you back again soon. Anytime, Dina. This is my most enjoyable conversation of the week. I really like it. Oh, I, appreci- I appreciate that. Thanks. Take care. That's all for this episode of Keep and Bear Radio. If you enjoyed the podcast, I urge you to subscribe. And please subscribe to the Buckeye Firearms Association newsletter at buckeyefirearms.org. If you'd like to become a member and support the work of BFA, go to joinbfa.org. Use the discount code PODCAST to get $10 off your membership. That's joinbfa.org. We'll see you next time on Keep and Bear Radio.